0: Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host, who's in a much better mood this week, is Robbie Dowling. I'm feeling great after a win. We
1: said a win would settle all the nerves of the fan base a little bit, and
0: I think it did. I The sense of calm and relief I have right now, I, I can't even describe how good I feel. I am so excited we won that game. To have a Saturday full of football right now. Where we can just chill and drink and watch the games and know that we already won. I just feel great. And I don't think I've ever been happier to be three and three in my entire life. (laughs) Which is probably the most depressing way
1: I've heard it put this morning, but
0: okay. So we got a couple of our buddies here with us. We're at the Cellar uh, in in downtown Blacksburg. You're probably familiar with it if you've ever been down here. And we got a handful of our friends, and we're going to do the cheers and shot together. So, Robbie, give us a cheers. I'm up. Kevin at The Cellar, downtown Blacksburg,
1: allowed us to stay here. And you know we appreciate it and post up and actually do the podcast here. They have a ton of really great beers. I think it's amazing that uh, we can find a place in Blacksburg when everybody's searching for $1 uh, PBRs that you can get a good craft beer. So cheers to him. Also to some of our friends that came down to watch the game for NC State. We have an awesome weekend laid out, and I think with that, I got to end it with the cheers. Was we won last night, and finally we won a game after really a couple bad losses. We needed a win. We needed a win. Otherwise, it was going to be really bad. And uh, cheers to getting rid of my hangover. That would also be good. Cheers to that.
0: Cheers, baby. Too deep
1: going six deep. <laughs> yeah. We're going six deep this week. Oh, mama.
0: Oh, good God. All right. Thank you, sir, <laughs> well, let's dive right into this. I mean, I, I swear, I was so happy after this game. I saw some of my friends were sitting in another section, and we were gotten in line at Tots together at the same time, and there was an embrace. Like, we were just so happy we won. My one friend, Brian, like, we just hugged. We're like, we did it. And it's like that, that's so so pathetic when you really think about where, how far we've fallen. But let's just let's get in the – there was a little delay due to the rain. Uh, it wasn't rain. Of- it was a hurricane that
1: hit Blacksburg that we had been watching on radar. I've never seen weathermen actually be right. And on Monday, I checked the weather. I was bringing a friend down for this game. And I was excited to show him the Friday night atmosphere at Blacksburg. <sighs> And on Monday, it said it was going to rain in the evening on Friday night. And I thought, because weathermen suck at their jobs, was that they would be out. wrong. Yeah. And they were five days out.
0: And the weather, literally, the storm hit 30 minutes before kickoff. And it was a downpour. Absolute downpour. We're all huddled under a tent in Lot 1, just trying not to get completely soaked before we go in. But eventually, rain tapered off, and the night actually ended up being real nice. Mm-hmm. The game was perfect. It, it, the weather at it, the there game, wasn't a drop during the during game. The was game. Awesome. So, despite being probable before the game, Brewer was not medically cleared and didn't play a single snap, which I was surprised about. I think a lot of the fan base like just because of all of what we were hearing all week and that we thought he was going to play, but I think maybe some of that was Our coaching staff wanted to throw a curveball at NC State a little bit. Maybe they knew he wasn't going to be ready to play. I don't know. But regardless, Brewer did not end up playing. Motley got the start. And in the beginning of the game, we came out a little flat. Very flat. I think, was it 10 It was 10-0 through the first quarter. And I I just had a pit flashback because I was at the pit game. I had sat through a rain-soaked game already, and I was like, I cannot believe we just did this again. Three games in the
1: rain, we lost two of them, one ECU, one against Pitt, and this was the third,
0: and I I was having flashbacks. I said, we're going to lose this game. And then the second quarter was sent by the football gods in that we took three straight drives to the house via Isaiah Ford and Motley threw three touchdown passes. We outgained NC State 156-2 to two in yards in the second quarter. It was such a great quarter. We went into halftime with a with that lead, 21-10, and everyone in the stands like did kind of a sigh of relief because I think we could all feel that our defense was stepping up. We had an 11-point lead and that we're not going to let this one slip away. And that, and that's pretty much how it shook out. I thought the O-line looked significantly better. Yep. I think you'd have to agree with that. Well, the <laughs>
1: It ties into what I think about what the play calls were because a lot of it was on the outside again, and the inside, it was on s- the, outside. the inside, you know, the inside zone was not working for us whatsoever. And credit to Beamer, he said he was going to make changes in this
0: game, and he did. We went with one running back. Did we say that? I think we said it's going to be McMillan, and he's going to get the majority of the carries, and he did. JC and Trey didn't see a single carry. Between the two of them, they had one touch, and I think it was a JC catch. Well, the the second, I think the second
1: most carries was Motley, of course, because we don't actually run a. But read. But Motley runs well. He does run well, but we don't run a read option. We just run Motley. He never options. There's no option there. But at the end of the day, he was the second, and then the third leading rusher. I think was Rogers. Yeah. Which Rogers uh, so so, had
0: a nice game running the ball. Had his longest carry of his tech career with that. I think it was a 29 yarder. And the O line, like I said, just back back to that. They looked better. We had 200 yards rushing overall, 5.6 yards per carry, and it was after that performance against Pitt, we, we knew this offensive line is decent. They just laid a complete egg against Pitt, and I don't know why. We might never know why, but this Pat game... Nard- Pat and <laughs> maybe your... Maybe. Uh, but Mill- McMillan did get the start, as we mentioned. He had a 59-yard TD run, which was so awesome at the end of the game, and sealed the game up for us. He actually took his yards per carry from 7... To 7.4 in this game. (laughs) Like, 96 yards overall. He just... He's that home run hitter we've been missing. Uh, Yeah, not to reiterate.
1: We said McMillan should be the ball carrier. And they put him in. And they put him in positions to succeed. And he ended up... It took him a little bit to get started. It didn't start off very well. But after he started getting his feet underneath him, he started to run the ball pretty well. And it was capstoned with... That huge, what, 56-yard TD run? 59-yard TD yards. run. That was was sideline. I haven't cheered like that in a long time. Oh I was gosh. so excited.
0: It, that was so awesome. Uh, Motley took some shots in this game, uh, but he played tough and even had to leave the game for just a play or two, lost and threw one pass. But Motley still threw three TDs, 202 total yards, rushing and passing. You know, he misses guys on some throws but I'll hand it to him he has impressed me a lot other than Pitt where the offensive line just let him get slaughtered he in his first five starts I don't think we could have asked for anything better really
1: he's not a good passer in he's just not at the end of the he's day he's not as
0: skilled as brewer in passing
1: exactly and he's playing in the rain all three I think of his his starts you know since uh, obviously you know the knockout that happened to brewer and I think he's performed pretty well. He has two great wide receivers, just exceptional. Which
0: are helping him out, and two really good tight ends. Yeah. So that any first-time starter is going to benefit from that, I like, having some good pass catchers. I like the
1: fact that, which is interesting, Isaiah Ford, we talked about his yardage total during the year. It came down again. I don't think we're going to hit the threshold that I set out for the year because it came down. But maybe, what was interesting, he had, three, he had three touchdowns. I know. Which was really Didn't, solid. Wasn't he
0: the fastest tech player ever to 10 TDs? I, I think mm-hmm. when he caught his first touchdown pass, he became the fastest tech player ever to 10 TDs. So that's, that's what we expected from him. When he, came, when he stepped foot on campus, people are like, this is the best receiver we've ever had. And he is living, living up to it. He was open all game.
1: And what I liked is Cam also had a lot of yardage. He actually exceeded you know, he did. the yardage. He, he had more had- yards
0: than, than Isaiah.
1: And so you had a good receiving quarterback or a good receiving wide receiver in tough times, but then you also had the kind of the linchpin to the offense, which was Isaiah Ford making catches in the end zone, and one of them wasn't even in the end zone. It was a great kind of a long pass that he he ended up taking to the house. So those two are magnificent. I The tight ends... Didn't do a whole lot in this game. Not
0: really. Bucky had the one really important third down catch. Uh, so I think he got a twenty-six yard gain. But yeah, you're right. Like we we expected not more from Bucky because he's still a great red zone threat and everything else. But yeah, the wide receivers just just open and gave Motley like a lot of good opportunities to get the ball down the field. I want to switch over to the defense. We really held Brissette's passing in check. He was twelve for twenty-five. He threw his first pick. Hadn't thrown a pick all season, and we got a pick late from Adonis Alexander, his third, leading the team as a true freshman. Can't say enough. How, how, Adonis how... is going to
1: be a rock star for this You might program. say he's an Adonis. Yeah.
0: He's, in... <laughs> 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 he's, re- he's really good. Uh, their run game was working for them early in both halves, which was a little troubling. They were doing some real creative stuff, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more with, with Mason uh, Nauman, who we interview later in this episode. But overall, the D played really good. Uh, only 270 yards given up, 11 tackles for loss, four sacks. And you know what? One of our defensive ends finally got on the board with a sack. Finally. <laughs> I mean, we had, what, Yeah, four sacks in this game. I think we had four
1: sacks against Pitt, if I'm, yeah, I'm not I mistaken. Yeah, I think that's right. So the defense has started to turn it up a little bit. I think a lot of that you know, in my opinion is due to Chuck Clark. He's been really, really disruptive on on our leading
0: tackler, Chuck Clark. We said it in our season preview. We were so excited about his potential and he is going to the NFL. This guy, maybe not next year, but he is an NFL safety or DB. He is so good at what he does. Uh, and we didn't really give up any big plays this game, which for the first time, that was nice. There was a couple, mi- I think their longest gain was maybe 24 yards in this entire entire game.
1: I was a little bit concerned about the short yardage runs that they had, and they packed them together. So we, we did really, really well on third down, but on first down and second down, they were getting three, four, five yards a carry, and especially in the second half, almost every play, and I know we in the, were in the still, beginning, yes. Yeah. Well in, in the second half as well. They were still I think we were in the third quarter and I was watching them and they were controlling the football very, very well. Granted, at that point in the game, yeah, we're in the lead, so they should be passing more, but
0: And they if, had to do that later, and that's when we really started to tee off.
1: But they don't have the best rush offense, so
0: uh, But yeah. that is what they try to do. Like their game is based around the run. We said it in our preview that they used the run to open the pass, so they want to run the football. And Brissette had the most yards he's had all season because they're playing these patsies, and he's been trying to like hone in on his passing game. And in this game, like he had to run a little bit more, and it opened up things with like that little bit of option they were doing, yep. and it kept us off balance a little. But for the most part, I felt like we controlled it, and Bud did a good job with his adjustments. Dion Clark and Motuapuaka played really well last night and back-to-back games now from both of them i'd imagine when we you know have a you
1: know we're doing our interview uh later on with mason i imagine he talks a little about mo that guy he got a lot of grief when we started this season we and gave him a lot of grief yeah we gave him a lot of grief and you know hats off to him he he's come out and really performed well after the injury he played well against pitt Um, He gave up a couple of, you know, kind of weird plays where he didn't tackle so well. But this game, I thought he played very, very well, and I thought it was impressive. So hats off to him for, you know,
0: turning things around on the season. Yeah, that is definitely something we're going to need going forward playing some of these other ACC teams, especially GT, who we know runs the ball really well. I guess overall, we kind of had to hang on a little bit, but that 60-yard run by McMillan with a touchdown down the sideline at the end, Just really sealed it and was just, okay, we have a guy now that can hit that home run that we won. And it was absolutely huge. The win was huge. If we had lost this game, we're staring at a a non-bowl season, 2-4. and It it could have gotten really ugly. Somebody, I think it was my, my friend Brian who
1: was sitting or somebody came up to me and they were in the bathroom and a couple fans were going with, you know, if we lose this game, Beamer's getting fired right after, you know, this game. I'm like, come on. Like, what the hell are you talking about? We're not firing season. It's not actually going to happen. I think there was a lot more energy that came in. If you saw during, Absolutely. right, right. Towards, I think it was the second half. There was like the jumping that happened. Like all the all the team got together, like right on the sideline, and we're like really getting into it. You can see the cohesion starting to happen with this program because they all recognize that we're out a starting quarterback, and everybody needs to pick up the slack. And I think that's something that you can't really teach you have to ingrain in your program, and it's starting to come together a little too late in the season right now, but I think it's a it's a good sign for
0: what's going to happen in a c c play I hope this is a turning point. I think Frank is hoping it's a turning point. Everything is back on the table right now we're one in one in the a c c The division is mediocre. Pitt looks pretty good there's some other teams miami you never know g t Duke is playing well, but the coastal, the ACC title. If you can win the division, you can win the title. You can get in that game. I mean, neither Clemson or Florida State is lighting the world on fire, so that's exciting just from that aspect. Like, let's not. We're still struggling in in a few aspects, but it's nice to at least like. All right, we got a chance at this. We need some positive energy in the program. And Brewer might be back soon.
1: I think that's going to ignite things. Brewer is a leader. They said that he's a part of every single game plan, every single practice. I think most people have said that he's involved in everything. When he comes back in the program, I think that's going to set a fire underneath some asses here in, in the program, especially on the offensive line, which played well last night. That was really, really positive. When When he's, when he's back in the program, I think that this this team – has a lot of chances to kinda go, you know, sneaky kind of sneak into take, that championship. Take
0: take it to the next level a little bit. So our post games, we me and Robbie kinda missed each other after the games, but I ended up at Tots. He ended up at River Mill. And or a thousand, you know, person line to get into Tots. It was one
1: or the other, so we had to go to River Mill. Otherwise I would have been in Tots.
0: Tots was on fire last night. I don't know well, about that. Well thank River you Mill. for rubbing it in. I appreciate <laughs> that. It was a lot of fun. we we did some shots, and, I mean, the characters that were in there, like, it was just as packed as the Ohio State weekend. It really was, and it was a lot of fun. How was the River Mill? It was actually
1: nice. We were losers. We sat by the dartboard and watched people play darts for, I think, the better part of an hour and drank some good beers. Yeah. But uh, there were um, some attractive specimens that, that walked through. Always. Which, is, uh, which was nice. I thought it was good. They have a good beer selection over there at River Mill. Uh, Tots, you're kind of stuck with either rail or like an all-day IPA, or then you're down to the Bud Lights of the world. So I'm glad you guys had fun, but I thought the beer selection was better at River Mill. So I'll take that. Well, I have a feeling that
0: later today we might make an appearance at Tots. So you'll you'll get your fill, I'm thinking. (laughs) Probably. Probably. All right, we're going to preview this Miami game in a little bit, but I think we probably need a beer break. They've got a lot of good beers on tap here at the Cellar. And I'm curious, Robbie, which one did you go with? I went to the Founders uh, Centennial. Uh, I think it was a, the, the, one of the Enjoy
1: Buys or something along those lines. It was – it's delicious. I actually like it. And shout out to the Cellar. We're, it's right on the corner of – what is it? College and what, – what's in the- – We're on Main Street. <laughs> yeah, well, it's College <laughs> and Main Street. The whole point of this uh, show was to have a few beers. But anyway, it's a great beer. They actually had to go into the basement. The cellar isn't open yet, so they they went into the basement and got us a couple beers. So The cellar,
0: Kevin, this whole crew over here is great. They they showed us a great time. I think they gave us a great setup. Absolutely. We got a nice room here that we're recording in. And I am drinking the Founders All Day IPA. And I think it's like about 5% alcohol, but really... It goes down easy, and I've had a bunch of them. And I, I literally could drink this all day, so the, the name is, Appli- is Apt. This is a special episode, and we are lucky enough to have a special guest. His name is Mason Nauman, and he writes for The Key Play, which is the go-to website for all Hokie fans. Robbie and I pretty much read all of their stuff. Mason, thanks a lot for coming on.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm excited.
0: We're going to get right into it. Uh, you and French are basically the X's and O's guys. Over at the Key Play, and I, me and Rob, you are curious how you got started, uh, what your background is in football, and like, how do you, like, yeah. where'd you learn from, and how do you get hooked up with the Key Play?
2: Um, well, that's actually kind of a funny story. Uh, I, in, in terms of like my background in football, I never played football, um, didn't really coach football or anything like that. Um, f- funny story. I, uh, I volunteered to coach a, a girls' powder puff football team. Um. <laughs> And I, I got there, and it, I, it was one of the most fun times I've ever had in my life. You know, all the girls were great, but we did have a problem where none of the girls could actually throw a football, which, if you've ever coached a, a woman's uh, football team, like, the biggest difference between having a good team and having uh, a team that's not successful... QB? QB. <laughs> same same as in real life, right? Um, so I get there. We have the first practice. We, we can throw, like, five yards down the field. That's about it. I'm thinking to myself, like, what are we going to do? to win some games because I'm super competitive. So I get online. I'm looking up. I'm looking at the rule book for the Powderpuff League, and there's a rule that says you can have one player in motion at the snap. Um, and that wasn't even a rule that I was familiar with in football because I, I was a big football fan, but I didn't really know a lot about football. This was back in, like, 2007, 2000. Okay, a little while ago. A little while ago. So I look it up, and I start thinking, all right, what are some things we can do with what I thought was, like, a loophole in the rule book? I was like, all right, if I can get someone in motion, maybe we can hand it off right at the snap. Get them running, and we're off and, we're often good.
0: Less um, throwing, basically. Less throwing.
2: So then, like the first play that we put in was a jet sweep, and you uh, know just, that well. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was uh, that was what we did. Um, we practiced that play over and over and over. And then one of the girls mentioned that she played rugby, so I was like, "Well, in rugby they toss the ball. Maybe yeah. we can get a little option game going." And then, uh, so we had a little, we had a little option jet sweep game going on. It was pretty tight. We didn't throw the ball very much. Would you but say
0: um, that that experience started getting you, like you started learning about schemes let, and everything? Let me tell
2: you, when you put in a play and you practice a play, and it works for the first time in a game. It's like the biggest rush you could possibly yeah. imagine. So you're
0: basically an offensive coordinator. Basically,
2: yeah. That's uh, I'm my application's available if anyone wants to see my resume. <laughs> let me know. Um. Yeah. But then and then that and once I started working, I just started diving deeper and deeper. Yeah. and All my free time, I was just looking it up. And, That's awesome,
0: and, man. Yeah, so, so how did you get up linked up with the Key Play and Joe?
2: Yeah, that was weird, man. Um, it was. Uh, I, I was reading the, the Key Play for a long time, and then there just happened to be a little button on the side of the website one day Joe said he was looking for writers and I was just like well you know let's just try this out and see what happens and I I sent him an email and sent him a little piece and luckily he liked it and um Joe's great to write for him man. he yeah. uh he let me do my thing and you know he's great I love it it's been it's been one of the best experiences so far of my life
0: that's real cool man all right we're gonna do the VT stuff now okay and For years, you know, VT fans are critical of the offense. And we started out a little bit better this year. It was nice to see. And we knew that we might have a decent offense with the guys we were bringing back, a lot of skilled players. But I've seen some of your tweets, and there's still a lot of things that we can improve upon. What packages that Loeffler runs would you absolutely just want to throw out? And are there ones that he has that you want to see more of?
2: Well, here's the thing about uh, Leffler, Like... When I was a fan for uh, when Steinstring was the coordinator, there were plays that would happen and it just leaves your head scratching. It leaves you scratching your head from like an X's and O's standpoint. Like, why? You'll see a play and you're like, this play was never designed to work. At least that was the impression that you had. Yeah. With Scott Leffler, like, you can look at any play in isolation and be like, this is a well designed play. He does, he does
0: design plays well. It's just that I feel like he picks. The wrong ones at the, at the wrong times. Exactly,
2: right. So you would want, like, your game plan to be the sum of its parts greater than the whole, whatever that phrase is, you know. I'm, I'm not an English major. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, right. But, like, you would think that if you add all the plays together, they'd be more effective. But sometimes it feels like they're taken away from each other. They're okay. less effective. So for me, you know, I think that he tries—sometimes you try tries to do too much. But you were saying
0: something last week about, like— we're under center and we shouldn't be. And, like, you have these three tight ends, but we're, like, you know. and like So what do you, you want to yeah, see okay. more Well, yeah,
2: well, when Leffler got hired three years ago and Jeff Grimes got hired, I was thinking, okay, we're going to get back to running the football, get under center, power football, because this is a year removed from the pistol formation and that fiasco. When we first put the pistol formation right. in, it was terrible. Steinspring ended up losing his – or getting demoted for it. And then we bring in Leffler. We changed our whole offensive staff. So I'm thinking, okay, we're getting back to our roots pounding the football. And they talked about that, but then it never really happened. So for me, especially this year, right, when you know in spring we were hearing talk about how there was no third wide receiver. And at the beginning of spring, at the end of spring, we were still talking about how there was no third wide receiver. So we knew going into the fall that we had at least three average tight ends because I think Klein – is at worst he's an average tight end. Right. Malik and uh, uh, Hodges, in my mind, are both NFL potential tight ends. So if I'm looking at the personnel package that we have, I'm thinking, okay, that's our strength as, a, as an offensive Absolutely. unit. Absolutely. So if I'm doing that, I'm thinking, all right, let's get under center, let's pound the football, let's do some play action, and, you know, let's try to take advantage of the defenses that way. That's what I would want to do. I just want to kind of tone it back and kind of just change the personality of the team that's how I would have liked to see it at the beginning of the year. Now we're in the middle of the year and yeah. changing changing courses halfway. You know, I'm, I'm just not sure if that's going to work out. My
0: one of biggest complaint with Leffler can be he kind of throws all of his eggs in one basket mm. at times. Like yeah. I think he did that against Pitt that he was like, they're tough to run on. We're going to throw a lot. And when that was like kind of not working because our offensive line just decided not to show up, he didn't have a plan B. And that's always been my thing with him. What – does he run that you would just not want to see any more of? Is there any particular plays?
2: Um, I wouldn't want to see – you know, I, I just want to see – I want to see like a handful of plays that he runs every game. The jet sweep, I don't mind the jet sweep, right? Let's, but if we're going to run the jet sweep, let's build a deep enough package around it that we have counters built in so teams can't see, oh, they're bringing Stroman on now. It's yeah. going to be the jet, jet sweep package, right? We, we want to be able to have enough counters in there that whatever the defense runs, you can attack it, right? Just like Paul Johnson does, Mike Leach does. Right. They have very simple formations, but the concepts within those formations are so complex that no matter what the defense does, there's always going to be a counter for it, and I just feel like that's not the case with Leffler right now. I feel like there's no doubt that any play in isolation will work, but a lot of the times the playbook is so shallow within certain packages that as long as you get the base play out of this formation down he's not going to be able to take advantage of you
0: well let's move on to the defense that's been our strength for years and they've been playing a little bit better the last couple games but it's also been a little bit of a rough ride and we've had some injuries do you think there's something dragging the defense down in a way even though like like I said we've played a little bit better the last two games but we're still giving up big plays are we just not as good as we thought we were because we thought this defense could be right pretty epic
2: um uh, well Foster's always going to be a break don't bend defense he whenever because when you have an offense that's not very explosive i think that's the right strategy to take because you want to make big plays on defense you want to get a lot of three and outs get your defense a good Field position, your offense a good field position. So I I don't mind that strategy. Um, You know, I think uh, Foster's the same way as Lesser. Like, tactically, he's going to be fine. Like, he's going to do what he does tactically. He's going to make in game adjustments just like he did versus uh, NC State on Friday when he made an adjustment and stopped that little sweep action they had going on. Absolutely. And that Um, was dangerous for a little while. Yeah, there was one. Yeah, they, they showed that one time. They had a little fake sweep and a counter off of it. That was the very first play of the drive. I tweeted out, "We're going to see that again," yeah. and they ran it about nine more times in a row. They come off the defense, comes off the field. Foster does his thing. They come back out, and that play wasn't successful. The rest of the game. Yeah. So you can get Foster once, but John can maybe get him again. But in terms of like where the defense is at right now, when you have a uh, when you have such an aggressive defense, if you have one weak spot, it's going to get exploited.
0: Um, and that is, I think, I think I know what it is, right? But right. <laughs> it's the
2: linebacker play. If I had to, if I had to put my money on something, so far that would be it. I mean. When I look at the best defenses that Foster has had, it was when he had Xavier D.B. and Vince Hall. Great athletic linebackers that can make plays and fill the holes and do everything that he asked them to do, they're going to be very successful. The teams where they haven't been as great, in my mind, it's been the linebacker play that's been the problem. Yeah, um,
0: and I will say, and I think you'd probably agree, that Moto and Deion Clark, the last two games, have played a ton better.
2: I mean, the last night was, they, they looked Way better. Yeah, I mean, if this is how they're going to play the rest of the year, maybe they're just hitting their stride. now. That's what I'm thinking. Because uh, let's not forget Matua Puaaka. I think I said that. Did you got it right? Okay, I don't want to pull a a Mac here, Um, a Mac Brown. But yeah, no, I mean he's look. Don't let's not forget he's young. Like this is what like his sixth, seventh game starting because he only started four games last year. True, as a he was a true freshman last year too, right? Red shirt. He was a red shirt. Yeah, he only started four games last year. He played a couple games and got hurt. So he's still young. He's still learning. He was know?
0: aggressive as hell in that pick yeah, game. That,
2: and yeah. I was like,
0: he, the light might have just come on. I, and I don't know what, what it was that did that because he's coming off an injury. But he played awesome in that pick yeah. game.
2: And I can't think of one time in the NC State game where I felt like he got ran over. Right. Like I felt like if he plays with the heavy shoulder. If he's he had played in that
0: way against Ohio State, yeah. it could have been a totally different story.
2: I think so. Although at the end of the day, Ohio State, they're just – Anywhere on the field is going to be a mismatch. Yeah. Like,
0: no, there's no doubt about yeah. it. Let's move on to just a more macro sense. Okay. You were a little conservative on your picks. A lot, like a lot of us were high on the Hokies. Robbie predicted a 10 and two season. I predicted nine and three. You, the- and you picked <laughs> you picked eight and four. Um, mm-hmm. which compared to what we've been doing, is not a terrible record. But we right. really thought with the offensive skill coming back, with the D line, with the DBs that this team could, could win 10 games again. Why were you more conservative, and do you think some of the stuff you were worried about came to fruition, or was it other things?
2: Yeah, 8-4 and four was like the high end of where I thought Tech was going to be this year. Really? Yeah, so I was like, all right, eight and 8-4, if everything goes right, I think that's where we're at. Because when I'm looking at the defense, I still had questions about the run game. Um, we have a new middle linebacker, and at the time – um, you know, we had two new safeties. Um, True. So the safeties have played better than I thought. And they had, they were experienced. Yeah. Um, so they're playing better than I thought, man. Well, but they're playing I,
0: better because Adonis just came out of nowhere and yeah, he's been a beast. Yeah, he's
2: been, he's been killing it. I've been really impressed with him. He's been amazing. Um, and Chuck Clark is great. I think Chuck Clark's playing a little closer to the line of scrimmage now than he was at the beginning of the year. Leading the team in tackles. Yeah, he's, he's doing great. Um, but, yeah, my concerns are the same now as they were then. Like. Getting a stop in the run game and third and short, can you do that? Um, Can you limit the big plays with the young secondary? Yeah. Um, That's just on defense. On offense, I had all kinds of questions. You know, I didn't think heading into the year they'd be able to run the ball. I was really surprised at how good they looked at the beginning of the year offensively. Really? With the run blocking. The the ECU and the pick game, that whole thing fell apart. Um, But this is kind of where I expected the run blocking to be at. And even with Brewer in, um, you know, I had just questions about what they're gonna be able to do running the ball in the red zone, the defense giving up big plays, you know, and I think the ACC is is gonna be a little bit better than people are giving them credit for when See, we get in the conference play.
0: I expected the offensive line to show a big improvement and they definitely did right off the bat. I don't know what happened to them against Pitt. Like maybe Pitt is just very ferocious on defense. But I just don't, don't think they showed up.
2: They, yeah, I've never seen an offensive line look so uh, – That was pathetic. Yeah, yeah, pathetic. But that's a good transition
0: into what I want to ask you next. Mm-hmm. And with the current team, current personnel, what can we do to improve that run game even more? Like last night looked good. Against Purdue we looked good. But I, I, I kind of have an answer to this question a little bit in my head. But what do you think particularly we could do to improve the run game on this well, team.
2: I think now that we have the right running back running the ball all the time, that helps a lot. When you have, thats exactly where I'm going. <laughs> you man. guys have been doing this train since the beginning. Yeah. So, but uh, but I mean, yeah, I mean, absolutely. When you have a guy that can actually take it to the house from 80 yards away, if you do that once a game, once every two games, your numbers yeah. are going to be way better. If absolutely. you have a back that can get five yards but can't get 20, then you're going to have to block perfectly every single time up front. And this offensive line isn't good enough to block perfectly every time up front. And then it's just a matter of, you know, I would like to see, I know they're hesitant to run Motley because they've got no they've got a true freshman as a backup and they don't want him to get hurt. I would like to see him involved a little more in the run game, a little more, just like we did before, a little more creativity with him in the run game, gotcha. more than just the inverted fear. Um, I would like to see him just stick with the run, have more of an attitude about it. And I think Sam Rogers in the uh, out of, out of the uh, shotgun formation. I think using him as the runner instead of J.C. and Trey is a big advantage.
0: I agree. I I don't really want to see J.C. get any more carries unless there's injuries. And I do like the kid. I think he's a good leader. But McMillan has that home run hitter ability that we haven't seen since David Wilson. And he's already got two 60-yard runs this year, and I, I don't think we've had that since Wilson was here.
2: Well, let me say this about J.C. J.C., more so J.C. than Trey. I'll give, give J.C. his props. Like, when you look in short yardage situation, he might be our best short yardage back, which is That's weird interesting. because he's the smallest back. Right. But when I'm, when I'm saying that, what I'm talking about is not necessarily his ability to get extra yards after contact, but his ability to see the hole, get to the right hole, and get what yardage he can. Trayvon McMillan, I think, will get there. He's just going to take reps. But um, he, he's
0: so much better to me at, with Jace in terms of the ta- breaking tackles and just, just his vision is better.
2: Oh, yeah. Don't, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying that yeah. I think that – we should get back to a running back rotation where every third and two we're bringing in J.C. But I'm thinking, you know, let's give credit. I can see the mentality of wanting to get a rotation in there. I just think in the long run, strategically, it's the wrong wrong move to make. Do you think
0: that this team kind of lacks some of the grit and attitude we used to have?
2: Against Pitt we definitely did. There's no (laughs) doubt about that. I thought we saw a lot of it come back versus NC State.
0: It w- I think, yeah, Frank got – he was mad after last game. He and he be. got the guys fired up. I think he got everyone, like, a little scared. and, But it still pissed me off because we came out flat again. But once – it was like once we just got that ball rolling, like, mm. it just – it grew and grew. And that second quarter, we just took over. and.
2: Yeah, what do you guys think about this? I was watching it on TV, and I seemed – it seemed to me that, like, at the beginning of the game – All the players are going over the top with the amount of praise and high-fiving that they were doing. But then it felt more natural as the game went along. Like, you kind of have to fake it till you make it. Like, Matua Puaka, I swear he gave out five high-fives every defensive snap. At least until halftime, and then he was a great leader. He was running around giving people love. You know, I, I just thought everyone was was way more involved in the game, and I, I really enjoyed watching it. Yeah,
0: I I love that that fake it till you make it. It's like you got to create it. Like yeah. if it ain't there, just high five anyway. Like yep. get get give someone some props. It'll make them feel good, and all that, and they're making a good play. So, but in general. We're not as talented as we used to be, so maybe that's some of it. We don't have like the Xavier X when he's like tackling someone in the backfield, (laughs) you know? Like we used to play with so much swag, and it's just not quite there. But I still think this team has a lot of potential. How do you think we're going to finish out this season?
2: Oh, man. Um, I still think you have the same fundamental problems, right? You still, if you can't get up, if you can't get to the line of scrimmage and run the ball on third and three. Consistently, then you're going to have problems. If you can't run the ball in first and ten and get four or five yards, you're going to have consistent right. problems, right? So, you know, it's kind of a, a crapshoot in terms of the throwing game until Brewer gets back. And when Brewer gets back, you know how good is he going to be? I think it's a good you know, question. I, th- I think versus NC State, that might be offensively where ceiling is at with Bre- with Motley in there. Okay, um, unless he's healthy enough to run the ball, because I don't think you can count on more than one 80 yard run from Trayvon a game. Um, I don't think Isaiah Ford is probably going to get that open consistently as he did for NC State against better competition. I, I don't. But is there a lot of better competition? I mean, he was open all game. I don't think he's going to get more open than that. Yeah. You know that, I mean? Okay. I got you. And I, I think you. that um, you know, my, I love I love rooting for Motley, but he's not going to throw thirty times a game and you're going to win the game. Like he had how many attempts did he had against NC State? He only had like eighteen, right? did he even hit twenty.
0: You're talking about Motley? Yeah. He was fourteen for twenty eight. I believe for twenty
2: eight. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think if once he started getting in that thirty range, that's when I feel like things are it's just too much. Yeah. yeah. For in terms of where I think we're going to end up, I think
0: you don't have to give me a record, but
2: I do. Yeah. Do you think <laughs> the pressure's on? Can we
0: win the division?
2: Um, who we got left on the schedule? I'll have the schedule on for We now.
0: got UNC, Duke, Miami, BC. BC.
2: Okay, I think we beat Georgia Tech. Yeah. I think we beat UVA. Um, UNC. I. I think we beat UNC. I think Bud has that, that UNC offense. That that's he the loves thing. playing right, the spread. The division, we play. that's it, if that's what it takes. Um Duke Duke has problems, man. Duke is a good team. Like not give They them are a problem,
0: but at least we're getting them at home on homecoming. Yeah. I'm a little worried about the game in Miami next week.
2: I just hate playing Miami, man.
0: I know. Because I know.
2: they're they're what they've done to Bud the past couple times is Exactly what you have to do to beat Bud, right? You got to line up, you got to run the ball, you got to have some cutbacks, and you take off that in man in man line of scrimmage, you know, and just trust your backs to make some plays, if they've got talented backs. So, if I had to put money on it, I'm going to put money on the Hokies. But to win the Coastal, to win the Coastal, if I just because you know that's like, music to like, my ears, like, man. <laughs> like, we've seen the worst that they're going to play this year, right? They're getting fired up, and you know, I think I think it's all going to turn around. That's what I'm hoping.
0: Well. Mason, we really appreciate you coming on, man. Yep. That was some awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, make sure to check out all of Mason's work on the Key Play and also follow him on Twitter. I think it's at Third and 31 That's yeah. 3RDAND31. Yep. And thanks a lot, man.
2: Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I love you guys' podcast. I listen to it every week. Thanks, dude. Thanks, guys.
0: We're lucky enough to have a second guest on this episode. We're joined by Matthew Warner. And it's at HokiesMash on Twitter. You've probably seen some of his stuff. And we want to ask him just about how he feels about the ACC this year. Uh, Pick his brain on who the favorites are, what are some surprises he's seen. And, Rob, you might have some more particular questions for him.
1: Yeah, and absolutely appreciate you being on with us. And first question is going to be, let's start outside the Coastal. Let's go with the Atlantic Division. So that's easier because... I think you are a Hokie alum, if I'm not mistaken, right?
3: Absolutely. I graduated in the early 2000s from a master degree from the Center of Public Administration and Policy, the Master of Public Administration. Uh, I am probably much older than everybody at this table, and I'll just leave it at that.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I look young, but I'm actually older than most people think. So we'll, we'll, we'll leave that as a question mark. First, off, let's go with the Atlantic side because it's a little farther from home for us. Because I think you're a Hokey fan, and so am I. So we want to be balanced here. How do you feel about the Atlantic Division? Um, and this is going to be a broad, sweeping question. What do you think about the Atlantic Division? Who's your favorite, and what do you think's happening there?
3: Well, at the beginning of the season, I picked Clemson to win the the not only the Atlantic Division but the ACC overall. I came in with I came in with. Uh, Clemson at um, eleven and eleven and one, and uh, I'm not backing away from that. They well,
1: they're f- what four and zero oh right now, or Yeah, five? yeah so yeah. Yeah. you're on your and way. They
3: Came in eleven. Yeah, and they may, and if they, I'll, I'll be interested to see if they exceed my expectations. But they're, I think they're, I think they have, I think they have the best, they have the best player in the ACC. Their quarterback and Deshaun Watson is the best player in the ACC. You now several times. Uh, On the podcast, Jeff and I, Jeff and I, and that's talking ACC sports. If you don't know him, his name is Jeffrey Jeffrey Fan. He's the owner of All Sports Discussion, where I, where I, where we blog about the ACC. We always had said, okay, Clemson would. Clemson is the favorite as long as Deshaun Watson is healthy,
1: which was the big question mark last year because he he was a rock star when he was in the game. But the sad part was he spent most of the time on the sidelines, which was unfortunate. We don't like to see injuries, so that that was a little bit harsh.
3: Right, right. So they come in as the favorite. I guess I'll talk to you about Florida State a little bit. I had some concerns about Florida State when they first played uh, South South Florida this year, and they had a, they were kind of a dumpster fire in the first half. And then in the second half, they decided to give the ball to Delvin Cook, and that's when they, that's when they took, ended up taking over the game against South Florida. Uh, they're playing Miami tonight.
1: Are you ready for this game? This is <laughs> huge because. Is it- you have Al Golden that could be getting fired literally after this game, and then you have a Florida State team that should, with their talent, should be better than they are, but they're dealing with an injury in the running back position. How do you feel, feel about that?
3: You know, first of all, I'll say, uh, let me play as devil's advocate here. Uh, devil's advocate here on this. I don't think Al, Al Golden will get fired this year, even if he said seven Hold five. On. Hold on, wait. <laughs> I mean this is probably
1: that. one of the. Wait, am you I one cover few people, ACC sports, and you're of, saying that El Golden's
3: not going to get fired? Am I one of the few people that's saying that? Possibly. Now, hear me out, being devil's advocate. I think Miami's too cheap to pay the buyout. Wow, I, <laughs>
1: You just blew me away. I don't, I don't. I'm a loss for words because most most pundits that are covering uh, sports, just in general, and ACC specifically. Are a surefire everybody thinks that Al has gone this year.
3: I'll play devil's head, get on that. I think I think there's a good chance I mean barring missing the bowl season.
1: They're going to miss the bowl season. But they- well, this
3: game is, is very pivotal in that. Yeah. If he wins, then
0: all of a sudden he could be around for a long time. You never know.
1: I think you you might be a genius in your own kind if you <laughs> pick the Al Golden sticking around. Well, for let's next say week.
3: that he – because I've heard that many times that this would be the marker for that. Like if he makes – if his team makes the – the uh, ACC championship game, not necessarily winning it, but just makes it. Remember, because we've talked about this before. You've seen this in years past with the Coastal Division. I mean, the standing jokes that, it, you, you know, four and four for all, a tie for everybody, right? right? If he makes the Coastal Division championship game and his team's get, team gets there, I don't think that's without the realm of possibility. Definitely not. I think the, the <laughs> Coastal's wide open.
1: It, it's absolutely wide open. I, I, Brad. Yeah, We'll get into the picks. How about Clemson? How do you feel about them?
3: Clemson, if they win every game on their schedule, they're going to be in the college football playoff.
1: There's no doubt. I mean, they just the, – uh, we said this earlier. The Notre Dame team is uh, is dealing with a little bit of injuries. So that that win is still huge, let's be honest. The, the Notre Dame is a program that people were looking up to, and I think they played very well in that game. They almost – it could have been tough at the end of that game. They could have actually lost it. But – they they won that. So for Clemson, I think that they could be going to the college playoff. You know, they I don't see a loss on their schedule unless you do.
3: I think I think there's a good chance that I mean, what, you know, we'll see what happens today, but you know, they've had difficulty with Georgia Tech in the past. They play Georgia Tech today. That's some that's somewhat been a stumbling block for them. I think they'll win today. I think they'll win today against Georgia Tech. Okay. Uh I, there was a blog post, and I'll just I'll talk about it. It's something Jeff did. Je- Jeff did at our site at All Sports Discussion. If you have a one-loss SEC team, and you have undefeated, you know, four other undefeated Power Five teams, the SEC is going to be left out.
1: Well, I think there's only what 15 teams left that are undefeated. So let's. I I think that's going to be un- unlikely. I hope that Clemson does it just for the respect of the ACC that we can kind of keep that up. Let's let's toss it over to the muddled. Coastal Division, which it always seems to be every every year, and it bothers me. But we'll we'll get into it. What do you think? You got you got Georgia Georgia Tech that's uh, was supposed to be a great team this year. You have Virginia Tech that was supposed to be better than we have performed on on the field. You had Duke, and that wasn't really supposed to be a player. And now, where are we? Where, where do you think they're going to interesting that, that you up? ask
3: that? Okay, so. At the beginning of the year I had Georgia Tech at ten and two, Virginia Tech at nine and three, you know. And now Jeff put Jeff, our, our site partner, and I talk in ACC sports, I'll talk about it. and the site owner said, you know, kinda said like, Wow, this could be a situation where Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech, the one you know, the Thursday night game in in uh, November, this is that could be a situation where we're it's playing piv- for bull. Bowl- that's a pivotal where game. No, I was gonna the- say where we're playing for bowl eligibility. But and at I the t- like that,
1: Yes. Yes, that's what he said. That's that's not a, uh, that's absolutely in the cards. And that's either. not
3: what we thought. I mean, we thought it would be something where that would decide the division winner at the beginning of the season and we're, not, you know, how With do strong
0: you? performance against Pitt last week against us and being 1 and 0 and now they're playing UVA and they're playing pretty well. Are they the favorite in the coastal or are you seeing a different favorite cuz Duke is also playing well?
3: Duke, with their schedule right now, is the favorite. By far. By far. That, that's
1: not a, it's not a question mark. Duke, by yeah. far, after those two wins. No one's by far in the Coastal Division. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Duke came in. They yeah. don't have the team or the roster. But what they have is a coach that can absolutely win games. And they've shown it the last two years. And everybody undercuts Duke every single year. And I understand they don't have the roster, they don't have a quarterback, they don't have the running back. Actually, they have the running back that we lost out on when we were trying to recruit him, But <laughs> which is upsetting in its own right. But I feel like it's going to be Duke and Pitt and not Virginia Tech and GT. Is that, is that too far to, to say?
3: Here's what I think will happen. Like You look at Duke's schedule, right? I believe, and I could be wrong about this, so I'll, I'll say this right now, uh, that they have... Miami and Pitt at home, right? And they go on the road to North Carolina. You know, so they have their tough games on. They have their tough games at home right now.
1: Well, no, UNC, you know, really tough is games UNC Marquise has finally turned it on. But, yes, exactly. Well, that's
3: a, oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, uh, I'll be fair. You know, be fair about that. Because, I mean, North Carolina, I thought, was really it was in trouble when they were down three touchdowns to Georgia Tech, and they came came back and won that game, so uh, absolutely. And and it's and it's a fair point that maybe it's not the same Fedora team, but you know, even if Duke is to lo- lose that game, you know, you know, with the you know the way the schedule looks for them, I mean, it's very favorable. You know, they can lose a couple, and I mean, be right in the thick of the things for coastal, the coastal division. Title. Always. So gun to your head, you're picking Duke to win coastal. Yes, I'm. Yes, I am. I'm picking Duke today to win. All right.
0: I I don't like that at all. I I think that it's still wide open. And I actually think Pitt's the favorite right now because they beat what I think is actually an an underachieving Virginia Tech team that if we can get Brewer back, we could really hit our stride. But they have that advantage already in that they beat us. Robbie, who do you think? Who's your favorite? Uh,
1: I don't know anything. It's Every year, the Coastal is a freaking disaster. But I feel like here's how I'm going to put it out. If Brewer comes back next week, I have Virginia Tech. If Brewer is still hurting at the end of the day, I, I can't pick them. I, I think Motley is a great quarterback, but I can't pick them. If it's not Virginia Tech because Brewer's not in, I actually pick. I'm going to go with the coach here and not the defensive coordinator, even though I think the defense coordinator for Pitt is one of the best in the game, up, up there with Bud Foster. I'm going to go with Duke to, to win out the Coastal.
0: I I wasn't trying to cut you off, but I wanted to just transition into Miami in that Matt had a chance to watch the entire Miami-Cincinnati game, and neither of Robbie or I got a chance to watch it. Well,
3: God bless Uh, you on that And
0: I've looked over their stuff. I'm just curious, what did you see from the Miami team when they played Cincinnati?
3: Their offensive line is a dumpster fire, and Virginia Tech's uh, defensive line is going to have a very smashingly good day. Their offensive line is terrible it is so
1: bad that they had one of the best running backs in the nation and he he had to make his own yardage on every game that they played now he's injured he's got a quad i think it's a quad injury or a leg injury and he still couldn't produce the yards that he should be he should be one of the top offensive you know running backs in the nation right now and their
0: offensive line is not good at all so, The only thing I would say to that is, and maybe this is because they've kind of played a weak schedule, and Cincinnati is no slouch, but that was probably the best team that they've played, including Nebraska. They're number one in the country, and... Not giving up tackles for loss. Miami is number one. So maybe all of them came in that Cincinnati game and not the other ones. But I was shocked when I saw that. They're literally number one in giving up tackles for loss. And they're 17th in the country in giving up sacks. So I thought they were protecting the quarterback well. But I haven't watched a single game. so Either have I. But Miami recruits so well. They have so much
1: talent. They are littered with – it's like Florida State. When you're in that Florida time zone, you have East Coast – you have four or five starts riddled across that entire offense and defensive line. How are they not better than they are? It's, I, it's literally dumbfounding how Al Golden can manage to not produce what should be one of the best teams
3: like they used to be in the nation every year. Absolutely, absolutely, and I agree with everything that you said. I'm going to turn this back over here. I'm gonna, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. I want to ask you both a question here. How do you feel about Virginia Tech's uh, ability to stop the run when they when we play Miami? Well, we just argued about this a, a little bit ago. We
0: We did, and we'll get into it a little bit more deeply in a minute, but... I'm terrified because last year Duke Johnson ran for 250 yards and had another 37 receiving, and we got completely destroyed. I was there. had to take two days off work to go to the game, and I wanted to kill myself at the end of it. It was completely awful. I I was at that game. It was the (laughs) only game I've been in 10 years, and I almost wanted to just jump off the back of Lane Stadium and just kill myself. Well, we're going to do our Miami preview here in a minute, and Matt has to run, but I did – he's more of a – He's a basketball aficionado when it comes to ACC. So just real quick, who's your favorite to win the ACC title this year?
3: North Carolina is the favorite to win, definitely. Now I'll say this. If you're looking for somebody, an underrated uh, team to win the ACC, look at Miami. Miami because look at Uh, at my look at Miami yeah because they have five seniors back I mean you've seen these things with Jim Laranaga before I mean uh, how how they how he's produced to George Mason how he's produced they've won the ACC prior with somebody else's players which is hard to
0: believe like the last three champs of the ACC have not been Duke or UNC and we've got someone booing in the background because he's a UVA fan, and UVA has been really good, and they're bringing back a bunch. Unfortunately, they lost uh, the the Anderson. Key, Anderson, the key player from last year. He left early for the, for the draft, but uh, UVA is definitely going to be in the race. Definitely. There's no doubt about it, but you think UNC is going to take it. We're still here at the Cellar having a good time, and I am drinking the High Five IPA by Terrapin Brewing Company. It's in Maryland, and... It's pretty tasty. I, I know nothing more than that. It's, it's good. It's good, and that's all that matters. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get kind of drunk. Uh, this Miami game next week is a big one for us, especially coming off this NC State win. If we want to have a chance to win this Coastal Division, it's not a must-win, but it, it's, it's an important, important game. And It's pretty played, close to a must-win. Yeah, Miami. we've played Miami well over the years. We're 13-11 and 11 against them under Beamer and we 're six and four against them since joining the ACC, so a slight edge, but they always play us tough, especially at Miami. We mentioned Al golden a little earlier and how he 's kind of underachieved. This is his fifth season. he has a perfect five hundred record in the ACC he 's sixteen and sixteen, and they finished six, six and seven last year, and were basically a huge disappointment after they lost to FSU, which is why their game tonight is so critical. Because the last two seasons, after they've lost to FSU, they've unraveled. They're 3-1 and with their loss to Cincinnati last week, like we mentioned. And they haven't won a bowl under Golden. They're 0-2. And there's obviously been a lot of heat to fire him. They're at a crossroads. They need to win this game against FSU or Golden will be in serious trouble. I don't think he'll be fired mid-season. I I, I really think that they'll at least wait till the end of the season. But all bets are off if he loses, like the next three or four in a row, especially the fact that they almost blew it to Nebraska and lost to an AAC team in Cincinnati. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on just the momentum of our team and us playing Miami. How do you feel about the game next week? I never feel good about playing Miami. They always put. I know we say this weekend went
1: out, but there's a few teams that always play us tough. Miami being one of them, Pitt being another, and BC. That's what I always mark on my calendar as the three teams, maybe you have others that always give us trouble is those three teams and Definitely. Here, we here we are again and we're going down to the heated you know obviously fan base full uh, you know Miami team. It's a way game. The team last night had the benefit of being a home game, and I think we're going down into Miami and I think but that we've played better s- on
0: the road recently.
1: I know, I know. Uh, maybe we get more amped up. I I don't feel great about I actually felt better about this game before the N C State game and going in. They're up against you know, they're up against the ropes, like against us. They Al Golden has to win this game. This this is tonight's
0: FSU. No no, I meant I meant uh, yeah, okay. next week well you, what you know. if he's not the coach though <laughs> well
1: he 's not getting fired <laughs>
2: no. I, I season
1: re- f- fires don 't happen very not, often not there's often. a couple you know that happen every season, but that 's usually a dumpster fire situation when you 're 0 and four oh and five and then they get rid of the coach i don 't think they 're going to fire him despite the uh, the plane driving around or flying around with the signs that say fire al golden i don 't think he 's getting fired. I think we 're going up against that team. Uh, I don't feel great about it. I think that our talent actually could pull off that win, but I'm not very confident
0: in this game. I'm really interested to see what happens tonight. I know that's kind of a cop-out, but this is the first really decent team they've played. They've played Bethune-Cookman, FAU, and a 2-3 and three Nebraska team who's been extremely disappointing. That Nebraska head coaching hire was just crap. It was a
1: terrible. Everybody questioned the hire and normally when you question the hire you give some time. People realize pretty early that oh. that tire was that hire was not good at all. Not at all.
0: And so Miami hasn't played anyone tough. Their their losses you know, they the loss to Cincinnati is a little embarrassing, but like I said, they're okay. They're just they're middling. Like you look at their defensive numbers, middle of the road. You look at their offensive numbers a little bit better. They've given up as I said before very few sacks and very few tackles for a loss, but you have to take into account the people they've played. On They're, offense and defense, they seem like a mediocre <laughs> ACC team. They do. Exactly. You could peg them as the perfect middle-of-the-road team. That's it. They do have some playmakers that I, I feel like we need to mention. On defense, their linebacker, Raphael Kirby, is a beast. He's averaging 8.5 tackles per game and is flying around the football all the time. Their DBs have a combined eight interceptions on the season already. They've only played four games. So they're averaging two interceptions a game. And their D-line is pretty solid. It might be their weakest defensive position. Uh, but Harris is a name to watch. He has two and a half sacks. And the other, there's another four other guys that have sacks. So they kind of are spreading around. But like no one's truly dominant on the D-line. It's Kirby. And their linebacking core is the one that you really want to look out for. And those DBs, like, we're going to have a hard time passing the football. That's one of the reasons I really hope Brewer can play next week.
1: Motley can't – he's not the best thrower. He, he's a playmaker. He can run the ball. He can scramble a little bit. He can, you know, keep it alive. But he's not, he's not a throwing
0: quarterback. Despite the fact that I, I do like Kirby at linebacker, because that D-line is a little bit weaker, their, their rush defense is susceptible. And if we can play like we did last night and run the football like that with McMillan, I think we can maybe match that 200 yards rushing we had last game. It, they're definitely susceptible against the run. If you want to flip over to the other side of the ball, you like their quarterback.
1: Yeah, I, I, well, I liked him in the first few games, and then he's done well. He's protected the football pretty decently well. He hasn't really thrown for a lot of touchdowns. It's kind of been in between. I, I think I'm done with him. I think it's going to be next. You know, I think he's a sophomore. sophomore. This, so he's got a couple more seasons in him. He's not going to be jumping to the NFL his junior year. But I think next year is probably going to be the year for him. He is talented. I mean, uh, the, scouts are, talented. the scouts are looking at him. People like what he can do,
0: but he hasn't been productive this season. And I would say he started off real hot last year, and that's why everyone's like, oh, this freshman QB from Miami is like really starting to blow up. But down the stretch last year, he kind of struggled. He threw 26 TDs and 12 picks last year, 58 percent completion. This year, he's come up to 61 percent, 7.81 yards per attempt, and five touchdowns in one pick. But those numbers aren't that impressive. They're they're pretty average numbers for what is supposed to be a star QB. Like he was being hyped as like he's the next. Miami star QB, yeah, and I'm not necessarily They're ready to roster really him up that. for
1: UCLA when we started the season. they were ready, to, like you know, this guy's going to be. But just like name.
0: we worried about Duke Johnson last year, Joseph Yearby is something, someone that we need to be fearful of. Very this, fearful this running of. back is he's a beast. 424 yards to four games, 7.3 yards per carry, four touchdowns. He's five nine two o two, but he is shifty. He's got some moves. He also can catch the ball just like Duke. Eight. Eight receptions, 111 yards, and a touchdown of the season. And I'm, I just, I'm so afraid it's going to turn out like last year, where Duke Johnson was just catching balls out of the backfield, just run, literally running all over us. Duke
1: John- Johnson was almost throwing passes against us last year. Like that's how <laughs> good he was. He, he, he destroyed us. I was he really, the, did. I was in the stands, and it was, was embarrassing.
0: Well. It was just sad to see our defense could not hold And it's hold odd him. because year B is like a Duke Johnson look like They're practically the same size, 5'9", 202. They've got another guy that runs the ball, uh, Walton. Uh, who's, he's pretty solid. He actually has more touchdowns than Yearby rushing. He's got five TDs and has four yards per carry. And he's not terribly big either, 5'10", 195. But he's been getting a lot of carries for them as well. So they love this rushing attack. and That's and, a trouble spot for us. It, we're we're it, not it containing the run very well. against true... Power run games though Which is what they kind of run We've been very successful Yeah So that's, that's encouraging true. We're not going to spend Too much time on On the receivers Or tight ends But Scott Waters And Brady are three guys You should watch Scott's their top guy At wide receiver 23 receptions He's got a touchdown In 300 yards He's not Isaiah Ford But he's pretty dynamic And can definitely Make some plays And they've got Decent tight ends Which against us Could be a problem Now the tight ends Only have eight catches, catches Combined throughout this season but they're athletic as all hell and Miami has always had a history of having good tight end play so that's something I'm worried about in terms of how I think the game's gonna go I know Robbie gave his thoughts I if we can rush the football like we did last night against NC State I think we will win the game I'm hoping it's a it we have a flashback to that game two years ago when Trey Edmonds had four touchdowns um And we just we basically wiped the floor with Miami down in Coral Gables. I'm hoping for a repeat of that. Yeah, I agree. If we see what happened last year, there's going to be a lot of (laughs) a lot of emotion in Blacksburg if we see what happened last year. True, but with Motuapuaka and Clark playing the way they're playing now, I have some hope that that might not turn out like that.
1: Well, it's another year under Moto because Moto Chase
0: might have been gone by then, right? That's
1: right. So Chase was out, Moto was in. So, but he was that was probably his second First, or third second start. Yeah, yeah. It was right in the beginning. So, Moto's turned it on. If he can continue to contain the outside, if, if we've been good under center, like if, if, if people are writing inside zone, they've been able to pass, you know, put in a couple yards. But nobody's bringing up big plays in the center.
0: It feels like, we, but on the outside. We but are disastrous. We have had some problems on the outside. But overall, I think the defense is starting to step up. The running game seems like it's going in the right direction at this point. I, I, think, I think we can pull it out, but I want to see what happens against FSU tonight. Yeah. Uh, what's, your, what's your final thoughts on this? Do you think we actually can win this game, or do you think— No, I think we're going to beat Miami. You think we're going to win? I think we're going to beat Miami. Yes. I think that they are not very good— and I think that we will win. We don't have a spread because it's only Saturday. They haven't played FSU yet. But I think we will win. And I think we'll win by, I like a weird score, like maybe five or six points. I think we'll, I think we'll take it. I can agree with that. I think that's, that's
1: reasonable. It's, it's going to be a tough guy. Go- they're going to slug it out against yeah. us. They always do. Every game is a, is a fist fight with Miami. Like I said, three teams I'm always fearful on the schedule these, these days. Duke, Miami, and B.C., that's it. And this is this is a big game for us.
0: Before we close it out today, we are going to do a college story time and it's Robbie's turn. And I'm up. I kinda remember last time you did college story time, you said you had a finisher about your previous roommate.
1: Brendan, I think I called him or something along those lines. So Brendan was a good roommate. He he paid rent, so that was a positive sign. But Brendan was a disaster. Brendan, after the infection and all those things, uh, I was sitting on the couch like I normally would on a Saturday before a Virginia Tech game and drinking beer and hanging out. We didn't have people over, so I was by myself. Brendan was in the bathroom, and he had just done bad things to uh, 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 the toilet in the bathroom, <laughs> to put it in a PC way, I guess. That's even not even really PC. and. The toilet was clogged, so he brought out a bottle of Drano. And I said to Brendan, "You're not supposed to use Drano on toilets. That's not really the intent of it. It's meant for like sinks and things like that that get clogged up or showers." Yeah, it's a, a good point as well. And Brendan was like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna you know pour Drano down there and hope it it goes well." Well, Brendan decided to pour Drano into the toilet from about the side, you know, four feet above the toilet and the consistency of Drano, if you haven't actually seen it, is really thick. So when it hit the water, somehow the Drano ricocheted off of the water and shot up into his eyeball. This isn't an exaggeration. It hit him in the eye. So the next time I see Brennan, he's holding a bottle of Drano. He's reaching for his phone and covering his eye because it's got Drano in it. Wait, who's so- he calling? Uh, poison control. So he's on the phone with poison control. He's looking at me, asking me what to do. I don't really care because he's an idiot. And I didn't, wasn't really going to give him advice on how to flush out his eye. He gets on the phone with poison control. And the guy on poison control, he handed me the phone almost at one point, was laughing so hard at him because he told him the story of how he got Drano in his eye. That he never got a suggestion for poison control about how he should rectify this situation. So he ended up hanging up on poison control and figuring it out himself. I think he just sat in the bathroom. But yes, do not, do not pour any, any Drano in the toilet. And especially don't get it into your eye because you'll end up like Brendan who was... That's, that's only story two of three. The third
0: one is even worse. So we'll, we'll leave that one for a time ahead. So we're going to wrap it up. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed our on-site recording at The Cellar. We had a great time. Our friends and I, like, I I think everyone's kind of at least has their buzz going. And we just really appreciate the guys who came out, Mason and Matthew, for doing those interviews. They were awesome. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, at 2DVT, and send us any email questions you have. It's 2DVT at gmail.com. Thanks again, and until next week when we are previewing, I guess it'll be... Well, we're going to skip the Miami game. Yeah, so we did our we Miami already did our, our Miami It'll preview. be Duke. It'll be homecoming. Yeah, so, so, we'll so we'll be previewing the Duke game next week. And until then, go Hokies. Go Hokies.